Warning. The stories in this podcast contain depictions of violence and suggestive themes. Listener discretion is advised. BLF Agent in Charge 0602 Filing Report for Project 1980 Codenamed Broken The anomaly has shown several audio and visual elements relating to the incident in Highbridge. This report along with all additional recordings will be compiled and turned over to the SPIU for future analysis. All visual elements are still being rendered by the internal AV department. The origin of the anomaly is still being investigated, but the accuracy of the events are in line with eyewitness reports and police files. The fidelity of the internal thoughts and monologues of the subjects involved have yet to be confirmed, but this department was instructed by Memorandum 230501 Label them as unverified, but likely. BLF researchers posit that the anomaly is able to view backwards and or parallel varied timelines or, with a few modifications, view alternate events. I've managed to record the output in accordance with the SPIU and BLF standards. Additional context will be provided where necessary. Subreports will be referred to by the designated code word BROKEN. All safety measures and protocols are in place in the event of a Class 4 or higher displacement. The mood in the office is tense. Nothing like this has happened in the recorded history of the BLF. There is no playbook on how to react or what to expect. The BLF has faced disturbances across multiple timelines before, but never on this scale. Hopefully, our investigation will figure out which group is behind the disturbances. It would take an army to cause this much chaos. Broken. File 301. Synopsis report begin. Subject Aaron Rathman is exposed to some bad news via text message. His demeanor cracks and allows for an unknown entity to take residence. Violence and dark thoughts begin to overwrite his typical behavior. Broken. File 301. End of written report. Begin audio recording.
this job was going to be the death of me. Life's not supposed to be like this. Wake up, work, sleep, repeat. No one grows up expecting to be a 36-year-old divorced single dad. I'm... I'm tired. <laughs> Something's gotta change, or something's gotta give. I barely have time to spend with my son anymore because I've gotta pay for her. Her goddamn everything. I would give anything for all of this drama to end. To be... happy? Again? What the hell? Hey babe, you busy? I'll be the first to admit that the message was a shock. One minute, I'm in the middle of a stale turkey and cheese. The next, my ex-wife was not only friendly, but flirty? My mind reeled. How should I respond to weeks of tears, brutality, and arguments? And Marcus. Poor Marcus. Teenagers process divorce differently. I hear him crying when he thinks no one can hear. If this bitch thinks a few kind words are gonna... What the... Brad? About to go to lunch. What's up? Turbulent emotions locked up my insides. I couldn't breathe right. Why did it show that Brad was responding? I got big news! K. Don't K me, you asshole! I'm pregnant! My phone slipped, hit the table, and fell onto the floor. Fifteen years of memories came flooding back at once. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I stared at my phone on the ground. My heart felt like it was about to beat through my chest. What. The. Fuck. Brad? You're supposed to be my friend. You sure? What about... I know, but... No, no, I am happy. This is great. Hey, text me the info for later. Alright. Okay, bye. I picked my phone up off the floor and looked through the cracked glass. The cell company must not have completely separated our accounts yet. Occasionally, Helen would get my text messages, but I never got any of hers. Until today. I knew when she would get mine because she would call at the most inconvenient times and proceed to complain. <laughs> Why is your mother texting me? You need to call the goddamn phone company and sort this shit out. Bitch. Meet me at my new place after you get off. 1984 Elm Street. We can celebrate the good news together. I can only stare at the words between my spiderweb screen. A burning coldness spread through my body. I felt an empty void in my soul 
my vision blurred and pulsed with every heartbeat. Hello, Earth to Aaron? You in there, buddy? Huh? What? With, um, seven... I mean, that's the... What? You okay? What are you... Ah, shit, man. You break your phone? I sat open mouth for a moment. All I could imagine was choking him to death with my hands around his throat. I wanted to devour this traitor's soul. So, I'm gonna have to bail on coming to your house after work. Oh, yeah? Hot date? <laughs> nah, I forgot that I volunteered to work a double today. Production is down on the floor, but the warehouse reorganization never ends. Aw, oh, man, you got that pissy look on your face again. I'll make it up to you. Hot, burning rage ran like magma through my veins. I somehow forced a supernatural calm onto my exterior. If I didn't, I might just dump his body in one of the chemical vats before shift was over. I locked eyes with this traitor, ready to unload. Hey Aaron, you done with lunch yet? Wally needs you to move some barrels of nasty shit down to the disposal area. Saved by the fucking bell. Mm, no, looks like I got work to do. We'll catch up later. Yeah. Hey, I know the divorce has been rough on you and Marcus, but things will get better. We'll all plan a guy's weekend or something. I'll get your mind off things. Like you fucking my ex-wife? Like you having a child that would grow up to be Marcus's half-brother? I feel the shell of my phone's case cracking under the pressure of my grip. Sure, just text me the info for later. Uh, okay. Don't spill any of that hazmat stuff out there. Sides and errands have been cooking up some gnarly shit lately. It won't give you superpowers, but it will melt you down to the bone. I should dump whatever this hazardous stuff was into this break room while he's eating. <laughs> Backstabbing prick. I walked out of the cafeteria and threw my phone as hard as I could against the nearby wall. I felt warm blood pooling in my hands. I'm pretty sure a piece of the case broke off below the surface of my paw. Whoa, you okay? I'm good. Just cut myself. I'm gonna go clean up and get those barrels over to the disposal. Alright, don't let Wally see you running around bleeding everywhere. He'll have a shit fit. The rest of my shift was a blur. I acquired an icy calmness in my soul that bordered on the tranquil. It was how I imagined Dahmer felt with a fresh head in his fridge or gain when he made a new lampshade.
I had visions of destroying Brad's car in the parking lot. But there were too many security cameras and people. I knew where he'd be tonight. I just meet him later. The house number burned into my brain. You know what? I may just burn down the place with him in it. As long as they both suffered, I didn't care. I loved and hated this whole fucking town. Perhaps I'll cleanse the city and bathe in its ashes. Or perhaps I'll do it a favor and take out the trash. Hey, asshole! The light's fucking great! Let's go! Oh, don't worry. I got this. Let me show you. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. I watched the whole scene as if I was an audience member attending a play. I enjoyed the viciousness, the power, the culmination of rage on full display. I was excited and frightened at the same time. I watched my hands begin to close around the man's throat and I panicked. I, I took back control and I left the broken man lying beside his car. The stranger's idling engine carried his vehicle slightly forward, and he acted as his own chalk block. Felt good, didn't it? I looked at myself in the mirror. I didn't recognize that twisted smile staring back at me. Can't say that I appreciate assaulting someone in broad daylight. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. Right. Stay focused. I think I'm gonna confront Brad later in a place where he can't deny anything. I'm gonna help you take care of your other problem, too. Oh, yeah? Oh. <laughs> Just wait. I'll show you. <laughs> A sinister vision filled my brain for the rest of the drive home. Walls were painted in blood and there was much suffering. The whole time, an unfamiliar face smiled at me from the other side of the rearview mirror.
Supplemental Report, Priority Routine for BLF Committee Review. File name, Surprise, A Scout Affair. The following was recorded on... Subject, Marilyn Correll uses her sociopathic tendencies to take advantage of a situation. Little does she know, there's always more to the story. Signature pattern matches. Adding report to case file 1980. End of report. My name is Marilyn Carell, but you can call me Mary for short. Everyone else does. I can't express how much I hate surprises. I mean, in any form. Birthdays, weddings, parties, bar mitzvahs, pleasant, you name it. I don't have a heart condition or social anxiety. Probably. I just despise the idea of being kept in the dark only to have it flood out at an instant. My earliest memory I could think of when it comes to it was the fright my couple of minutes older bitch of a sister, Marcy, gave me during movie day in elementary school. I had the weak bladder of a newborn puppy, unfortunately. That and her tendency to steal my spotlight. I don't blame her for my shortcomings like a cliché black sheep. It's unnerving to see someone who mirrors me steal my life. She lived in a humble abode in the Swans, the most prestigious neighborhood in the county. Meanwhile, I lived in a shack in the suburbs with a dead-end job. Still didn't stop her from claiming my husband as another prize. The typical telltale signs were there. The long trips, denying me of marital release, text from an enlisted number complete with nudes. I purposely ignored it in my role as the ignorant wife to the blue-collar husband. Some days it became harder to keep up the hope that my boring existence was a small stepping stone or if this became my personal hell. This slice of life turned my self-made prison into those small words till death were uttered, bounding me to a boulder by the throat. It's not like I didn't love him. Still, it was great to have one thing that to refer to as mine without her involved. Being kept in the dark can sometimes make a person unhinged. Not enough to murder. Enough not to warn someone about crossing the street before getting splattered by an oncoming runaway bus. On fire. I had it set up. I pretended to be the reject doppelganger with every one of her mannerisms studied. I had another part to play an act of the bubblehead slut instead of the introverted I've known to be. I reluctantly asked to borrow a few of her dresses with the excuse of going out for a new job interview. She gave me the advice to be the eye candy for my employer. I spent weeks pretending to listen to that skink's boring-ass stories on her undeserved accomplishments, gossip, and backhand compliments. Before you say anything, don't you judge me. You don't know what it's like to be in the same radius as her. 
to suffer from her continuous blathering about what she has in her life. Ugh! How was I able to not kill her sooner was beyond me. I'd schedule a session through a pump-and-dump app they messaged me on when she left her phone during our bonding time. Shouldn't be this easy. Apparently, they both share the same brain cell since he didn't see through it either. I was too good of an actress. The message stated they'd meet at the honeymoon suite at the Buttons and Bows Hotel downtown at 5 p.m. The same place my parents tried to talk me out of after my husband suggested it since it was closer to home. In hindsight, I should have listened. Bastard was too cheap to spring for newlywed sweet. We met up in the soft pink foyer where the concierge surprisingly remembered us after all this time. They still kept the Polaroid we took as the happy newlyweds on a small gallery behind him. Of course, he didn't know who my husband was actually with. He gave us the heart-shaped room key that showed signs of being constantly used. There's a sense of symbolism there that wasn't unfounded. We made our way to the top floor. To sell this, we'd get to the college-style make-out session with each smooth suck and nip to the room. <laughs> I'd stop for a moment to tell him that I wanted the shower before giving him a special surprise. He frustratingly relented at the same time, showing a youthful eagerness to see what it could be. As I strutted to the bathroom feeling his eyeballs follow me with each subtle wiggle, I switched on the stereo to smooth R&B, playing as loudly as it would let me. The tones blended in with the other residents' respective tracks of their own. I turned the hot water on enough to have steam seep through door cracks, forming small ghostly shrouds. While I waited, I sent a message from his phone to her, saying I was ready for her. That must have gotten her to hurry a lot quicker than I thought. Now for a surprise of my own. I pulled the trigger, seeing them pathetically shield themselves with their arms, and hands made it hard for me not to laugh, as if they were both bulletproof enough to stop them. A feeling of freeing ecstasy washed through, with those years wasted with him disappearing in an instant with every bullet shattering those memories one by one. His body fell flat on the bed with his lower half underneath wet covers of the equally red heart-shaped bed. Don't worry, Marcy. I didn't forget about you. I was saving the best one for last. Now stop all that crying. At least you were spared for only a couple of seconds. Now I know that you weren't scurrying away without saying goodbye to your little sis. She didn't make it very far out the door before I emptied rounds into her song. A drop of blood appeared on the back of her skull in contrast to her face and brains splattered on the wall in front of her. The carnage matched the red walls of the neon-lit hallway. I was getting away the perfect murder. Wait. Shit. I got so caught up with the murder part of my plan that I forgot to think about the body disposal. Shit, shit, shit. I tilted my head up to a half-nude woman exiting her room. She was scantily covered by a bedsheet wrapped around her with an empty ice bucket clenched in her fist. 
wasn't my fault I had to drag her into it. Poor girl just so happened to come out at the wrong place at the wrong time. The stupid bitch threw the goddamn bucket at my nose. Without any thought, I shot up at her, pinning her to the ground like a raging cat. I clasped my hand over her mouth to muffle her screams. Damn it! That goddamn little tramp bit my hand! My open palm connected with her jaw instinctively. My other hand scrambled for the gun and I pushed the tip of the silencer to her temple so I, at least, wouldn't make her suffer too much. I kept my eyes shut, only hearing a subdued crack followed by something wet splashing on my face. Didn't have to open my eyes to know what it was. Her body lay still on the shag carpeting. A moment of remorse almost took hold of me. I've now involved an innocent bystander in all of this. Then again, who's to say she was really innocent? She was in the sleazy hole doing God knows what with anyone with the right amount of money for all I know. I knew I had to act quickly, giving me the right idea to kill two birds with one stone. Quite literally. I wiped off any evidence of my presence, positioned her at the front of the door placing the gun in her hand. The absence of my fingerprints, of course. This gave the story that my husband's mistress shot us as we passionately reconciled after he called off. I got out of that skin-tight surprise for my dear husband into my backup clothes with an overcoat draped on. My focus was on exiting a place that both nurtured and entombed my marriage. It was shockingly easy since no one was manning the desk. They really should update security here. It's so lax that anyone can just walk in and oop, knock on wood. Can't let my soapbox get me into too much trouble. Oh, where was Marcy during this? in her comfy home in the slums. I figured I deserved all of it anyhow. What other way to have my dear sister live on than to take her place? Marcy would want me to be happy. I felt in control for the first time. I had no idea how good she had it. New car, check. A brand spanking new house, check. Freedom, check. Money, check. This was my ticket to my dream life without any anchors dragging me down. I mean, they always say leave old memories behind, you know? I'm a mourning widow after all. <laughs> Bathing in a hot tub was like being reborn in a new skin. I now get why the rich drink champagne in warm, muscle-melting water like in the tabloids. The warm steam clouded around me. My mind swam as if I was being high and drunk all at once. I felt myself nodding off into the soothing waters until... Ah, all right, all right. I stepped out wearing a translucent robe like a queen meeting her public. The word unknown flashed on screen. I assumed she didn't add to her contacts or something. I didn't pay any mind to it. I gleefully answered with a cheerful, Hello. 
I waited for an answer. I assumed it was some pervert that my sister must have played phone tag with. This kept on for what felt like forever. Before I could say something, what was said next made my heart shoot into my throat. I saw what you did. It was as if a ghost spoke directly to me. The chill of a stranger stepping over my grave overcame me at that moment. Something in me told me to hold my nerve in a firm grasp. What the hell are you talking about? It's not too late to confess. Fuck off or I'm calling the police! I was bluffing, of course. You don't know what you've gotten yourself into. Turn yourself in now while you still can. It was like I was going to shit out my heart. Could someone have seen me that night? How did they know I wasn't Marcy? I stared at the phone for what felt like hours. It was hard to tell if the water dripping from me was even my own sweat. I snapped out of my trance to dry off and compose myself. I must have been losing it. Boop. The cell phone buzzed back to life. The name Johnny Doe Eyes flashed on the screen. I've never heard of a Johnny Doe Eyes from all of Marcy's ramblings. Then again, I'm usually a million miles away whenever she spoke. Why couldn't she have said anything of use? I quickly answered, being careful as to not let on. Hello? Hey, baby. What are you up to? A smoker's voice purred, more like hissed into my ear. Just got done with my soak in the tub, sweetie. Oh. Have to think about being there? Think about you? I hardly know you. But still, with that voice, I might as well have been. Maybe. What's up? How's the night time looking? Wanted to see if you're still coming out to a little meetup. Huh, Johnny, I'm ready when you are. <laughs> Meet me by Pier 11 by the shipping yard docks at Raston Harbor at midnight. It's a day, Johnny baby. Johnny baby? <laughs> Haven't heard that one before. I like it. Remember to bring our special bag. See you there. Johnny Baby? That was out of nowhere. That sickening phrase leaked out of my mouth as if it were conditioned there since birth. It was as if someone said it through me. Special bag? Sounds kinky. And at the pier of all places? Must be some swinger shit or a hidden sex lounge. Jesus, Marcy. I glanced at the black bag sitting on the dresser. Didn't even notice it despite being the only thing not floral pink in here. It's like one of those bags you'd see in old cartoons complete with a red cross and all. Huh. How am I gonna kill time till then? Nighttime came faster than I thought. I felt my brain rotting while watching reality TV. Was this all she watched? Yeah. No wonder she turned out the way she did. Eh, they weren't so bad. Ugh, what am I saying? Let's see if anything else is on. The vagrant was found in an alleyway in the aftermath of the worst snowstorm to hit the city in years. 
The homeless man's face was left unidentifiable by the impact. There's nothing even remotely interesting on as I swam through the sea of channels. The news isn't even helping me distract my mind from what could be in the bag. That fucking bag. What could be in there? I don't know what's stopping me from taking one peek in there. My hand inched slowly to the bag as if it were tired of being kept in suspense from this long wait. My fingers danced on the handle in a waltz and then suddenly clung to it like an octopus to its prey dragging it closer to me. My glance wandered slowly down feeling a sense of urgency as if I needed to do something important around this time. My body jolted back into reality as I peered down at the pink cell phone on my thigh. Shit! I'm late! I grabbed the bag, hopped in the car, and rushed to meet her little boy toy. Boy toy? What has been coming over me lately? My thoughts felt like they haven't been my own. It's like I'm turning into... (gasps) What was that? Ahead of me was a stranger wearing a green trench coat, standing there on the sidewalk. He wasn't waiting for anything. Just looked frozen in place. Under the rim of his weathered fedora covering half his face, I noticed a red glassy glow where his eyes would have been. It was like he didn't want me to leave. I fought the urge to honk the horn as to not stir the neighbors. My foot practically smashed down to the floor, the engine sending the car screeching down the road, almost mowing down the man. At least the drunk knew to jump out of the way. Didn't want four deaths on my back. Still, I think I might have seen that bum before, but I couldn't place where. It's not out of the norm that the homeless often crawl around the city like rats. That red twinkle. It was like it looked into my soul. I switched on the radio, hopefully to drown out my thoughts. I had to gather myself. Clear my head, you know? I don't feel bad for what I've done. Don't feel bad about it at all. That bitch had all of it coming for years. I was just too chicken shit to do it before. I followed the address my boy toy texted me on the GPS with a few twists and turns through the woods. The blinking streetlights lit up my upcoming path like metal men pointing the way down to the forest. The address led me to the outskirts of the city. Into the warehouse district? I couldn't imagine anyone doing a meetup there for a date. Clinging the bag tightly, I walked across the boardwalk into an abandoned shipping yard. A bolt of lining raced down my spine. I had nothing to defend myself with but that bag. Mist from the ocean seeped out in between the planks like ghosts reaching for my ankles. A flash of bright light broke through the grounded clouds, nearly blinding me. I used the bag to cover up my view. I peeked my head from behind to see a group of what it looks like to be about three men standing beside a limo. It sparkled in the moonlight without any hint of mud or dirt. I might have seen this beauty on the sidewalk of my sister's place once or twice, but never met the owner. Hey, baby. 
finally showed. I was starting to think you stood me up. That voice. Now it clicked where I'd heard it. That car. That voice. It came back to me now. It belonged to the cruelest man in the city. I saw a news report on this monster. Interviews that he conducted were trying to make himself out to be a celebrity rather than a pariah. It belonged to the Serpent, an infamous con artist, drug dealer, and hitman with a list of powerful people under his thumb. The city was his playground. He was a trickster deity enticing only death and mayhem. What was he doing with my sister? As he approached, I could make out his face. His skin was pale like that of a dead man's. It hung loosely from his face with scars resembling scales plastered all over. His eyes were colored red as fire. A toothy jaw that swung open into a permanent monstrous grin. I wasn't sure if it was a Halloween mask or prosthetics or something. That he had to take these measures to disguise himself? Possibly it wasn't a disguise. It was his namesake. His clawed hand outstretched to me, beckoning me to hand over the bag. I stood frozen, clenching the handle as tight as I could. His pupils began to slant into slits. Did he know something was up? God damn it, he knows, he knows, he... Glass rained down from the skies, moonlight shining on each fragment like twinkling stars. Everything came to a screeching halt. We drew our attention to a heavy object landing on top of Serpent's once luxury car. A nicely dressed man lay there beaten to a pulp. His head dented through the car roof leaving an impression on top. Chaos erupted as gunfire went off and men were pulled into the mist, swallowed by it before our eyes. Bullets cracked through the air, showering the place with debris. He spun directly towards me with a revolver seemingly materializing in his hand. In a sudden moment of focus, I saw the word Python engraved on the barrel as he raised it. Fitting. Is this a joke to you? Did you set this up, bitch? Time seemed to slow down, my heart thudding. I didn't know what the hell was going on. The fighting suddenly halted. The hail of gunfire and agonized screams fell silent. The look on the serpent's face spelled out one of fear and raw hatred at the something lurking behind the shroud. A figure wrapped in a ragged green trench coat revealed itself. It was the homeless man from earlier. This time I could see a green gas mask with red-rimmed goggles attached to his face. The serpent looked on with a sense of hate that soon turned into primal enthusiasm. Are you with this freak? You led him to us, didn't you? <laughs> Tears ran down my cheek from a mix of hurling insults or the inevitable end that was sure to come. I felt my arm go limp and hide in my purse. It was as if it were searching for something in there beyond my control. My hand found its query, a gun. My finger planted on the trigger. A puppeteer strung my arm on invisible strings, liberating it from the rest of me and my control. My hand jerked out of my purse with the gun. Where did my sister get this? 
She didn't seem like the type to have anything to do with them. Then again, she was in with the serpent, and they even had puppy names for each other. Next thing I know, a stream of bullets was fired by my numb hand into their intended target. Unfortunately, not instantly fatal. Nobody tries to fuck me. I do the fucking hit. Each round rocketed through my torso with intense pain, bringing my backside into a bloody mess. It felt as if invisible hands pushed me backwards as I stumbled to the edge of the pier. I strained to keep from falling in. My legs struggled to hold me up. I felt a warm liquid seeping out. My fingers dug into the handle of the bag, but it slid from my shaking hands. No. 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 What? What kind of shit is this? No money? Not even bonds? <sighs> shit. I'm gonna die just for shredded newspaper. Yep, this was one last middle finger from fate or my sister bumbling her way to getting payback from the dead. The gas mask man sprung forward, running toward me. He scrambled as if he wanted to catch me before I landed face first, his hand outstretched in pure agony. I felt red-hot stinging from the bullet wounds and the physical strain of staying alive. <coughs> what? <coughs> what now? A gigantic burly man charged at us in a move to protect his injured employer. I'm just so tired. I didn't even bother to move. Not sure if I could, even if I wanted to. He fell into the inky black with me along for the ride. My inevitable death was meant for her. When I took her life, I took all of it. Good and bad. Her life and her death. Surprise! I've gotten everything I deserved. We All Start Somewhere was written by Arthur Unk and performed by Tanner Wood with an original score produced by J.M. Scherf. The Awakening, Part 1, was written by Arthur Unk, performed by J. Philip Morris, T.J. Hodder, Rebecca Mersinger, and Tanner Wood. Musical arrangements by C.M. Peters. Surprise was written by J. Sneed, performed by C.M. Peters, Shannon Carruthers, and Neil Skarupa with Neurotic Voice. Episode artwork by C.M. Peters. We here at the BLF are excited to present the Broken series throughout Season 3. We have partnered with some amazing individuals like J.M. Scherf and Arthur Unk, who are just as passionate about providing a platform for creative minds as we are. I can never say enough wonderful things about the community of self-dubbed baseliners we have built on our Discord server truly a welcoming collection of creative minds. Consider joining us there if you have creative ideas, need inspiration, or maybe hop in on some game nights we host on a regular basis. Finally, we do want to send a special thank you to our patrons. 
your contributions to the BLF really do keep the lights on. All the eternal love and appreciation to you guys. We're always looking to support new voice actors, writers, and producers. Please reach out via email if you have any interest in contributing to the show. All the links you'll ever need are in the show notes.